alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the... 62nd annual subliminal deception podcast your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit um phil i'm just wondering if you're 62 can you retire or is it 65 now i do believe that you can early retire at 62 i'm not sure if you get your full benefits but yes i think you can it's not uh 80 yet that's gonna be in a couple years probably (laughs) that's gonna be our generation, I can almost guarantee, we'll have to be like working to our fucking seventy-five, and then there's not going to be Social Security probably either. We're going to be ninety-three years old, working in a factory, barely able to fucking put two bolts and screws together. <laughs> They're still going to be yelling at us to get fucking shit out. <sighs> Isn't that what we look forward to during our retirement? Anyway, how have you been, Phil? Ah, uh, you know, I've been good. Pools are open, bars are open. I've been out drinking. I've been sitting by the pools. Uh, yeah, just uh, enjoying the summer. How about I heard uh, St. Paul, Minneapolis, not really doing that great. Are you safe? I'm safe. My neighborhood's pretty far from Minneapolis, actually, so we're good. It's uh, it's pretty wild here right now, but uh, but yeah, I think I think we'll I'll be sitting in the uh, old bunker here recording. A conspiracy <laughs> theory podcast. So you know what? Actually, I saw. Uh, do you are, you remember Gemma, Jenna Jameson? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think she's off her fucking rocker because she. <laughs> I just saw a post today where she is claiming that the meatless hamburgers, right? Like the the vegan vegetarian hamburgers, right? I don't know yeah, if you've ever. Yeah. Oh, what were they called? Um, Beyond Beef or something like that? The Beyond Burgers? So, yeah, something like that. I, honestly, like, I don't really think they taste that bad, if I'm being frank. But she's claiming that they contain the same ingredients as dog food. And that, who is it, Richard Branson and Bill Gates are the main contributors to it. Like, they're, obviously, we know Bill Gates is under fire with crazy people right now. Yes. So I think she's trying to fold him into that. Really? I, I guess. Have, I, I have heard a conspiracy that some of these uh, forced closures of the meat plants and the meat shortages are to push through like this vegan beyond meat like agenda. Like they're trying to get everyone to become vegan by getting rid of all the meat restaurants and the grocery stores. I have heard that conspiracy. <sighs> I... I... They're trying to redact, uh, what, since humans have been around, I, I, they might be an uphill battle. Yeah. Humans have pretty much been omnivores for ever. So at least scavengers, you know, picking the bones. <laughs> I'll say this. I, I could care less if anybody's vegan, vegetarian, whatever. That's your life choice. But, uh, when I see people giving like their, uh, cats, like the vegan free diets, 
<laughs> I'm just like, come on, man. That is a natural carnivore. They need that protein. What are you doing? The crazy thing is, if they try to give that cat a vegan diet, they look like the sickest animals you have ever seen. Like, they look like those uh, commercials where the Eyes of the Angel song was playing in the background and all of these little cats and dogs were like beaten and put in cages. They look like those cats. Patches of hair missing, like their eyes weren't open the whole way, teeth missing. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i sorry, but the, those animals need meat to survive. That's <laughs> kind of in their DNA. Could you imagine giving like a fucking tiger plant-based meals? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Wouldn't look very healthy, which reminds no. me actually, um, do you ever use Reddit? Uh, I do. So when I look up news stories, like during my lunch and my smoke breaks during work, sometimes it takes me to a Reddit site. So I do look at it, but I try not to just to get away from the hate. I try to live in a hate free <laughs> world. So, yeah, then Reddit's probably not the best option. But uh, the thing is, for a while, people were posting like their pictures of these like ancient cats, right? Like yes. they were like 31, 32 year old cats. Holy shit. I mean, that for a cat, that is a long life. Holy hell. But man, they look like brittle old people. Yeah, that's like a 120-year-old human. It's like a cat who's like 33 years old. I It was crazy, man. I guess like it looked kind of like they were struggling just to enjoy being petted. But you know what? Hats off to you, Mr. Cat, for living that long. Well, that was my dog uh, growing up. It ended up living to 18 or 19 years old, and it couldn't see anymore. It couldn't hear. It had to smell the ground. It would bump into walls whenever it would be walking around. And it's like hind legs. You could tell it had bad hips in its front and back. And it just, it was so sad. I mean, putting, you know, putting your dog down, putting it to sleep's a sad thing. But seeing it live like that, that's sad too. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, there's no way for a uh, poor dog to live. No, that's definitely not. But yeah, I have seen also the pictures of the vegan cats. Mm. I think it was on Reddit too. And uh, those those are sad, but it's kind of one of those deals where you feel bad for the animals because of how shitty their owners are. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just saying, if your pet's a carnivore, let it have protein, please. That's all we're yeah. saying here. If you, you let it out of the house, it would be a bird and mouse fucking destroyer. <laughs> like, you have no idea. Oh, yeah. I, uh, what movie was I watching recently? It was a really old, um, maybe it was an old Italian movie, and it had a lot of cats in the movie, right? And they literally, yeah. those old movies didn't really care about filming animals killing each other, and they had like <laughs> a, a fucking cat eating a mouse alive in the movie. It was kind of pretty wild to watch. I know we're I know we should start getting into the the episode quick, but I just want to tell this story. Okay. So one time I was I was out at work. We have to walk a really long way away to go smoke. I was watching where our main like set of buildings are, and all of a sudden I saw this big thing fall off of a roof. It almost looked like a body. It was so big it had fallen down. And I kind of like shook it off. I was like I don't think that was an actual body. It was probably just a shadow of a bird or something like that. So we had gotten to the gate where we come in after smoking and all of a sudden there was like six or seven people right next to the gate just staring at this tree. As we were walking by the tree, 
we looked and there was a like a huge fucking hawk and there it had caught a rabbit that's what would had fallen off of the roof it had swooped down caught this rabbit and it was basically holding it with its talons on the tree and just ripping meat off of this fucking corpse and everyone was like all grossed out and shit now I, I just looked at some of my friends and i was like hey we're gonna go eat our breakfast soon that thing's already got its breakfast <laughs> we just walked away that's like a, what do you want to what do you want to do that rabbit is as dead as it can possibly be that's that's that bird's uh cinnamon or that bird's uh croissant sandwich from uh burger king that's what exactly. he's enjoying right now <laughs> i'm telling <laughs> you man reddit has a like subreddit called nature's metal where they show basically animals doing what animals do. And it, mm-hmm. it's kind of brutal to look at or watch. But uh, that's just kind of how the uh, environment is, I guess. Oh, yeah. Especially cats. Cats don't only hunt for food. They also hunt for fun. Like, you'll see a oh, cat. Yeah. just fuck If it catches a mouse, the mouse is nearly dead. And it's just sitting there fucking with it. Just <laughs> bopping it on the head and shit. <laughs> I have cats, and I know they are sadistic. But anyway, Phil, Definitely. Uh, like you said, you're going to take the reins here and lead us into what we're talking about today. Yes, I am. So let me get started here. A B-52 bomber stationed at Seymour Johnson Air Force Base located near Goldsboro, North Carolina, had a training mission to run up the East Coast in January 1961. Okay. At- At midnight on January 22nd to January 23rd, the bomber was scheduled to rendezvous with an air refueler. While refueling, the crew of the refueling jet radioed the commander of the B-52 bomber, a Major Walter Scott Tulak, and told him that his aircraft was suffering a major fuel leak in the plane's right wing, and it was decided immediately to end the refueling mission. Okay, I hope they told him, like land immediately or something yeah they did definitely so with the refueling mission ended and the connection broken seymour johnson ordered the bomber into a holding pattern over the atlantic ocean now this was to burn off the rest of the fuel before the eventual emergency landing at seymour johnson air force base however when the aircraft got to the desired position over the ocean the pilot radioed in to let the base know that the leak had gotten worse and they had lost over 37,000 pounds of fuel. Jesus. A, uh, a bomber carries that much? Oh, yeah. So the B-52 bomber, they actually changed the design of the bomber to hold fuel in its wings also. Oh, wow. Holy shit. Yeah. The plane was immediately ordered to descend and make its approach back to Seymour Johnson Air Force Base. While making its way back, the right wing of the aircraft sheared off and the pilots lost control of the bomber and it was at a of an altitude of about nine thousand feet at that point i hope he ejects or something yeah so the commander at that point ordered his crew to abandon the plane of the eight crewmen on board five of the crew successfully jettisoned from the airplane and parachuted to the ground one crewman jumped out but his parachute uh failed and did not survive the impact Ah, that's not good. Yeah, and the remaining crew, the two pilots, stayed on board and went down with the airplane. And this was most likely to keep it away from populated areas. Mm, I mean, you know, that's uh, if that's what it is, it's very admirable. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a hard choice to make, but it's, I mean, if you're a pilot, you just know you have to do it flying over a populated area like that. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard, but I've heard rumors that people like um, failing parachutes or whatever, like a lot more people survive it than you'd think. I've heard as as long as you fall, there are stories where people have fallen in like soft ground, or if you fall like into a field, you'll break every fucking bone in your body. But there are people who have survived that. Apparently, I again, this is just what I've heard. Like, uh, yeah, if you land on soft dirt, you might survive as long as you land like flat. But uh, if you land in like a a corn cornfield that has corn in it, it'll like impale you. Really? I, I, I don't, I don't, like that. that's what I've heard. I don't know. I, I, I can see the whole landing flat thing. Cause if you land like a lawn dart, you're, I don't think you're going to survive that. No, no, absolutely not. But apparently yeah. you can land in like soft dirt. If you land flat and you might survive, D- don't try it obviously. And I hope nobody ever gets in that predicament, but apparently some people have survived that way. Yeah, you're definitely, I imagine you're going to bounce at least a couple of times if you falling from that height, but... I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. So at about between 1,000 to 2,000 feet, the B-52 bomber was in a spiral and came apart in midair, scattering the plane wreckage across two square miles of tobacco and cotton fields. Besides the fact that a very expensive aircraft went down and three airmen had died, This wouldn't be a very momentous event in U.S. Air Force or American history. However, this aviation disaster is a little different because of what the bomber had inside of it. Oh, it's hiding something, huh? Well, yeah, kind of. So the contract for the B-52 bomber was first awarded in 1946 and meant to take over the mission of carrying nuclear weapons from old World War II and before era bombers. And this was for the Cold War era Strategic Air Command. And its maiden flight took place in April of 1952. Okay. So you are you saying this bomber in particular was carrying some of this stuff? Yes, it was. So the cost of the B-52 bomber in 1956 was $14.3 million, and that converts to about $133 million in 2020 dollars. Damn. That's uh, yeah. quite, you could buy quite a few, uh, I don't know. Honda don't, Civics with yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I was trying to think of something in Arizona you could buy for that much, but I, I don't know. Buy Desert, yeah, cr- maybe? Crunchwrap Supremes. There you go. Is that very popular? In, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> I know that's my favorite menu on the Taco Bell uh, menu. Yeah. So though the B-52 was created for the use of dropping nuclear bombs, if the Cold War ever turned hot, it has only ever dropped conventional bombs on target, though there was nuclear bombs put into the air uh, 24-7 during the Cold War as a nuclear deterrent to Russian nuclear capabilities and in case the U.S. needed to attack the Soviet Union at a moment's notice. Wait, so are you saying that they u- they used to literally load planes up with these and fly them around just in case? Yep, 24-7. Like, uh, and they would have and they would have them on the ground as well, like ready to go. Ah, that's uh, I don't know. That sounds kind of scary if I'm being honest with you, Phil. Yeah, it was is pretty scary. And you'll find out a little bit more about how it was scary also. Yeah, definitely was. 
So the B-52 bomber that separated in air over North Carolina in 1961 was carrying two Mark 39 thermonuclear bombs, both of which had a payload of 3.8 megatons. And that is the equivalent of 3.8 million tons of dynamite. So would that be enough to wipe out the uh, Carolina Panthers? Uh, Yeah, I don't think there were the Carolina (laughs) Panthers back then. But had they... uh, Yeah, I think there's about, what, maybe 50,000 Carolina Panthers fans. So it would have been enough to take them all out, definitely. Okay, now, I don't know if you're going to get into this, but as as far as I know from the documentary, I'm trying to think of it now... um, What's the one with Christian Slater where he, he they're try and I think it might have John Travolta in it and he's trying broken to broken arrow broken arrow yes yeah so like a nuclear warhead will not go off unless you set it off right yeah there are uh I'm going to go into that a little bit okay but there there are many sequences that have to go into effect for these bombs to actually go off uh, okay. there's a lot you can imagine with an H bomb there's a lot of sequences and safeties that have to be gone through, turned off, just to make this thing go boom correctly. So a crash plane won't necessarily just set it off? Uh, no, it won't set off the full nuclear explosion. Okay, alright, yeah. so I'm glad you caught that, because I'm, n- I'm just going to say this, maybe it's controversial, controversial, not a bad movie. <laughs> and no, it wasn't a bad movie, uh... <laughs> Yeah, actually, the term broken arrow is going to come up a little bit in the future. Uh, It basically just means um, that there's an accident with not like there's an accident with nuclear warheads and it's not uh, an explosion. Basically, like something's wrong with the nuclear explosions. That'll be coming up during my second. uh, Yeah, I probably won't mention it now since I just mentioned it. But (laughs) I well, I mean, I didn't know that. I'm sure a lot of people didn't know. That's very interesting. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that there was a nuclear explosion. It just means, like, if one was hijacked, that would be like a broken arrow, uh, you know, right sort of thing. Right. And I think broken arrow used to mean something else before nuclear warheads. It meant um, that your position was completely like, compromised and just send all of the bombs and artillery right on top of the unit because they were about to die. They were getting overrun. Mm, okay, interesting. I think that's what it used to mean. So when the plane separated, both bombs flew out of the quickly evaporating aircraft and fell the rest of the way towards the Earth. And like I mentioned before, this was between 1,000 and 2,000 feet above the ground. Okay. So pretty good distance. Yeah. So the first bomb safety features held up completely, even though the safety arm switch was in the arm position. And in one of the stories that I read, Uh, One of the men who was sent out to find this bomb, when they finally did find the arming switch, they were kind of freaked out when they found that it was in the arming position and not in the safety position. Oh, yeah, I can imagine why they'd be a little freaked out. It was it was supposed to be in the safety position. So so the H bomb that first came down splashed down at about 700 miles per hour into a muddy meadow just off of Big Daddy Road. Oh, and that is that is the actual name they gave Big well, Daddy Road. <laughs> what a perfect <laughs> what a perfect name for like uh, a nuclear warhead falling to the ground that or like this entire road is full of like uh, what do they call them? Bear gay men. 
Like just yeah, gay clubs I, everywhere. <laughs> I I imagined a bunch of like really dirty like places where you get barbecue where behind the grill there's just some fat dude like scratching his back with a spatula. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what I imagined on this road. Just oh. a lot of like like dirty old casinos from Porky's, like all that <laughs> shit <laughs> on Big Daddy Road. From gr- uh yeah, they probably host uh what's that Food Network Grill Masters. Barbecue grill masters. Yeah, definitely. So this bomb hit the meadow and sunk many, many feet into the mud, separating the bomb into a lot of different pieces. The main core of this bomb was eventually recovered, but because of groundwater flooding issues, not really sure what they mean. Uh, The primary stages of the bomb, which were made out of plutonium and uranium, were never recovered. And because of this, the Army Corps of Engineers purchased a 400 feet circular area above the buried ground where the secondary components were and basically closed it off to the public. Didn't want anyone to, you know, obviously go in this area. And it's estimated that the radioactive elements that made up the secondary are buried about 180 feet underground. Oh, wow. Jesus. Yeah. I was... So that thing really fucking went down. Like, I mean, it hit the ground and went in. I mean, 700 miles an hour, that's quite a bit of force. And I suppose if it has any sort of like a uh, point to it or something like that, could really go down there. Yeah, and this kind of sounds like like a swampy type area. So I'm guessing that the the ground wasn't exactly very solid. So it was probably just a lot of water and mud. And I'm mm. guessing that's also why they were saying that the groundwater flooding wouldn't allow them to get the stages out. The actual pictures that they have of them getting the main core out. Basically, it looks like they're just digging in mud and trying to hold up the sides as they take this big object out. I was going to say, I heard if you mix uh, nuclear material and groundwater, that is how you create Jeff Bezos. That is true. (laughs) Jeff Bezos, Spider-Man, a lot of different people. (laughs) He looks like he's had a little bit of radiation problem with that head of his. I'm telling you. There's something about Jeff Bezos. I don't know. Let's check the the time frame from when this thing crashed to Jeff Bezos' birthday. I'm guessing they're very close. I'm trying to think of what the little... the little detector that you use for radiation, you saw it in like Geiger the counter, the Geiger counter. Just take a Geiger counter and just kind of put it up to his head. Like, you know, like really just get a little reading off of it just to see if maybe it beeps a little bit. But, well, you know, he's going to start shape shifting into a reptilian if you do that or snap his neck with his with his, <laughs> snap your neck with his mind. Probably. <laughs> I imagine that definitely. So the second bomb was a different situation entirely after separating from the plane. The second Mark 39 H-bomb's parachute activated, meaning that at least part of the detonation sequence had begun. And that deployed the 100-foot parachute to slow down the bomb during its landing. Now, the bomb fell to Earth and stuck straight out of the ground vertically. And this was because the parachute had gotten caught on a tree and the nose of the bomb was stuck about 18 inches in the ground. Oh, wow. Well, here's what I'm wondering. So you're telling me the parachute of the soldier failed, but the parachute on the bomb worked perfectly. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) That doesn't sound great. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I mean, how many of the airmen's parachutes did open, though? You know, I mean. (laughs) Well, I mean, you're still. okay. if there's eight of them, two of them stayed in the plane. If 
Five of them jumped out, and one of them failed. That leaves six of them. You're not batting. That's like a 15% failure rate. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's it is weird good. that the it is weird that the bomb's parachute wasn't meant to open and it did, but the guy's parachute was meant to open and it didn't. Yeah, I don't. I guess a bad uh, bad sequence of coincidences or what? No, bad sequence of events. I just say. Yeah. So the atomic bomb did not detonate. Of course, you would have known about this before I mentioned. Yeah, it I feel that. like I feel like that might have been in American history at some point. Yeah, you may have learned about it at one point if a nuclear bomb went off in North Carolina in 1961. <laughs> well, maybe that's where so, Myrtle's Beach came from. That's true. And <laughs> white why sand? The, you don't know. Well, that's weird. Yeah, that's true. So as I mentioned, uh, the atomic bomb did not detonate, and this was because even though. Two of the four switches were destroyed when the bomb separated from the aircraft, and upon impact, the third safety failed, and a charge was sent to the core of the warhead. So how many safeties does this thing have? This thing had a total of four safeties, luckily. Oh, God. Okay, so we're on the third one right now. That's terrifying. That failed. Yep. The only thing that stopped the detonation was a low-volted switch that stopped the charge from completely making it to the core. Had the fourth and final safety switch failed due to some kind of electrical short during the plane's breakup, a nuclear explosion 230 times larger than the bomb that fell on Hiroshima would have went off just 15 miles from Goldsboro, North Carolina. And this would have instantly killed everything within an eight-mile radius of the epicenter. And this would send also nuclear radiation fallout up the uh, northeastern coast of North America as far as New York. Jesus, that would have been, man, the the chaos that would have uh, caused. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would have decimated all of eastern North Carolina. I mean, there's it is in a pretty rural area. So the 8.3 mile radius would have still killed, I think, Goldsboro had, uh, I think, a population of about 30,000 at the time. Uh, There was just a shit ton of people living, you know. I mean, obviously, even if there was only a few people, it's bad to be killed by a nuclear warhead. But, I mean, it would have killed a lot of people. And the resulting fallout, the entire northeastern coast, all of those people would have had to have been evacuated. Yeah, because, okay, as far as I know, you have a nuclear bomb, you have the initial incinerary, incinerary part or whatever, probably the eight mile radius, but then the radiation splash is like, isn't it like 30 miles or something like around where it hit? It depends on like the winds and the area that it falls in. But I mean, they claimed that the radiation would have flowed like northeast up the coast. And into the like the heavily populated cities, Ugh. so it would have made it all the way to New York. Yeah, that would have been that would have been real bad. Uh, I actually I had a guy, one of my friends I used to work with. He he got really big into like the uh, crazy survivalist thing, and <laughs> I remember <laughs> he was buying like bottles of iodine because alleged or he said if a nuclear bomb goes off you inject a little or you drink or something iodine it'll fend off the radiation poisoning for a tiny little bit till you can get away i think that is true iodine does stop you from dying of radiation poisoning there was a youtube video i watched about 
uh, one of the Russian, I think it was Chernobyl, and they had given them iodine tablets for their radiation well, sickness. I, I okay, hands off, sir. You are well prepared for nuclear fallout, then. Yeah, I bet. Was he one of those? I don't know if you know him now still, but was he one of those dudes who was like happy as a pig and shit when all this quarantine pandemic stuff started up? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't talked to him in uh, quite a few years. He actually lives in the state you live in now. Really? The state of depression? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm sure he's no. in there, too, like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, I, I just thought about that. I was like, yeah, that's kind of where everyone lives right now. But So initially, the Air Force lied to the public and claimed that two of the safety switches acted properly and that there was no chance of detonation because the bomb design wouldn't allow it to explode accidentally. And it was only from a Freedom of Information Act release of the documents that we actually know about any of this. Well, I mean, I can only imagine if people knew how close this thing was actually to actually detonating, and then the fact that they're flying these planes around constantly all over where these, uh, you know, American citizens live and everything, it, it wouldn't have been a real good look. Yeah, I mean, these a lot of these planes were flown around Greenland, like Canada to get these bombers over the Arctic and into Russia, into, into targets there. It was a, it was a big deterrent thing, making sure that there was always bombs in the air. Okay. And you want to, you don't want to miss out on the second or the third strike. If there is a first strike. Right. So I guess there'd be no reason for him to fly over Pittsburgh then. No, I mean, there's no reason (laughs) for anyone to fly into or near Pittsburgh, but it's probably just better. Just, you know, I mean, technically, if that bomb would have went off, they would have had a second Pittsburgh. That's true. And even <laughs> possibly an even worse one. No, I'm just kidding. It wouldn't yeah. have been worse than Pittsburgh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so these bombs, when they fell to Earth, uh, none of their explosives actually went off, which is a really good thing. Uh, however, on the 21st of January, 1968, a B-52 took off from New York on a mission to circle around the North near Thule Air Force Base in northern Greenland. So when the plane was being loaded, three foam cushions were placed on top of a heating vent in the storage area of the plane. And about an hour after this plane was refueling, the plane became uncomfortably cold. And obviously, if they're flying in, you know, northern Greenland during the winter, it's going to be fucking cold out. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that, is that, you've been to, what, Iceland, right? Is that true yes. that Greenland is actually colder than Iceland? Well, yeah, some areas. I mean, <laughs> Iceland is pretty fucking far up there and it it gets cold, but Greenland the, the I I'm not exactly sure why they called Iceland Greenland and Greenland Iceland because Iceland's not really that green either. Like if you actually go out, okay. it kind of looks like the surface of Mars here in no. a lot of places. <laughs> So it's all red and dusty and uh, uh, gray. It's like a it's gray. Yeah, it's really gray, really dusty. Like it, it kind of looks like uh, like the moon, not Mars surface, like the moon surface in some areas, Ah. like around around where some of like the geological shit happens. Okay, there's not a lot of vegetation growing up there in some places. Since you're more well versed uh around the world than i am so obviously people in iceland we call them icelanders what do we call 
the Greenland people or Icelandic uh, people? What do we call the Greenland people? I'm not exactly sure. Greenlanders? How did, that people doesn't roll off Greenland? the tongue very good. Like, yeah, it, it doesn't. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to look up that one. Because <laughs> when it talks about when it later on in the story, it talks about people who helped with the situation and it just said native Greenland people, Greenlanders. Well, I mean, when I so. think of Greenland, I think of you have about a 5% population of humans and then a 95% population of sheep. I don't know oh, why. That's yeah. what I think of. That's like, the big, uh, that's a, that's more, dirt, that's more in the South where the people actually live though. <laughs> but people they have a lot really of sheep, do not right? live up here. People, they, I've been saying they have a lot of sheep though, right? Yeah, they do. They have a okay. lot of, they have a lot of sheep herders and I don't know about how many women they have there. So there might be a little bit of <laughs> a little, just like we had in Iowa. I hope we get some Greenland or hate mail uh, for you <laughs> saying that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure all 30,000 of the, did we, do we have any listeners in Greenland? I, I'm sure. I know we do in Iceland. I don't know about Greenland. Oh yeah. Iceland. We have a few. I don't know about Greenland. I think Greenland might not be lit up yet, but Is, uh, do they have uh, Wi-Fi there? I don't know if they have internet there. I assume they do. They got to attach a router to their sheep when they heard about there. Maybe it's like your your mom and dad's farm. They just bounce it off of someone else's internet off their barn. Oh, God. That's like a, a huge connection of silo bins with Wi-Fi routers <laughs> on the top of them. That is Iowa country internet. That is how it works. And I, I'm not even joking. Ugh, yeah. I, I remember when you told me about that. Two megs a second. Watch out. Yeah. So as I mentioned, uh, the plane was being loaded. Three foam cushions were placed on top of a heating vent in the storage area. And obviously, super uncomfortably cold, uh, even though the heat was turned up to full blast. So the pilot then opened the engine manifolds, and this was to send heated air directly into the cabin through those heated vents. That air, though, wasn't very well regulated because of a malfunction in the heating system, and the cabin became very hot. Now, the crew of the bomber said that they were smelling smoke and found the cushions on fire after a short search of uh, trying to find the source of the smoke. They, however, were unsuccessful in extinguishing the fire. Mm. I'm kind of wondering, did they have like a fat guy from Brooklyn on the plane who was like sweating to death in this thing and he <laughs> like blocked the vents out? Like, what is going on in here? A fat dude from Brooklyn smoking a cigar, just yeah. sitting there in a wife beater, sweating his ass yeah, off. Yeah, fucking cooking in here. He's got yellow stains all over his shirt. Yeah, Who I, Joey Diaz is? Uh, I feel like I've heard the name before. No, he's just a comedian. He's got really funny stories. But I just oh. imagine that dude. <laughs> I don't know why I imagine New Yorkers sweating more than everybody else. I don't know why I do. Yeah, it's just all the movies we've ever seen. <laughs> Always has some fat Italian dude just sweating his ass off. Yeah, we've seen the documentary, The Sopranos. We know how it is. Yeah. Well, no, it's all of those gangster movies. True. Yeah. So five minutes after radioing in the emergency, the fire extinguishers were completely depleted and the electrical system shut down. The cockpit also began filling with smoke. The commander of the plane ordered an immediate evacuation. However, they weren't exactly over land at the time. And they had to wait until they could see the lights of Thule Air Force Base before they could jump out. Now, all of the airmen ejected from the bomber. The bad thing was one of the men had to escape through a hatch in the bottom. And because he jumped out, 
Instead of being ejected, he jumped out and he suffered a fatal head injury after escaping the plane. Like when he hit the ground or like he hit his head on while... the plane. Oof. Damn. A yeah, fatal that's, one? They, yeah, a fatal head injury. They didn't exactly say how he died, but it's kind of how it sounds. Because if you jumped out of the hatch of a plane and then suffered a fatal head injury, I imagine he hit his head on the plane. Oh, damn. Yeah, they didn't really explain it that well, but they just kind of mentioned it. So two of the airmen landed on the grounds of Thule Air Force Base itself, which is also in northern Greenland, and they reported to the base commander within minutes of each other. The base commander decided to call up the civilian in charge of the area, and this was a Danish man named Jens Zingelarsen, and I completely butchered wow. that fucking name. Okay. Yeah. It's a very common Greenlander name, Phil. You just uh, besmirched. Yeah. <laughs> Bespurched the Danes. Yeah, I think the uh, the Danish are in charge of Greenland. Ah, so, okay. Yeah. Bunch of strudel boys there, then. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so so they, uh, they got this local man who was in charge of the area to help them find the remaining men that had jettisoned out of the plane. Now, because of the cold and the dark of northern Greenland, remember, this is happening during the winter. So it's complete darkness at this point. Oh, God. Yeah. Jens Zingelarsen mounted native dog sled teams to help find the missing airmen, one of which had to spend 21 hours in the minus 23 degree cold and only surviving from hypothermia because he wrapped himself in his parachute. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, that was smart. And I think, are you sure you said that right? Dog sled team and not like a sheep sled team? Yeah, no, it was a it was a native dog sled. Team. <laughs> okay, all right, just make it sure. Yeah, I couldn't imagine being one of those. Well, I mean, if they live up there, they're probably used to the extreme cold. But I couldn't imagine going out on a dog sled just in the dead of winter, just uh, like how many hours they would had to spend looking for. Because it said he spent twenty one hours. So that dog, those dog sled teams must have been out there for hours looking for this guy. I'll say. Because uh, I'll say this, I've been to Wisconsin, or not Wisconsin, I've been to Wisconsin, I've, but I mean Alaska, and uh, man, those, when they're talking about the dog sled teams, like these fucking dogs, man, they run them for like weeks on end. I feel bad for them, but man, uh, those dogs can take it. Yeah, I didn't even, I'm not a huge animal person, I didn't even think of the dogs. That sounds terrible, but I didn't even <laughs> think about how the dogs must have felt. <laughs> you can tell I'm a, I'm a huge animal lover by... <laughs> Hopefully they, hopefully like they, they weren't feeding them a vegan diet. I'll just say that. Oh, if they were feeding them a vegan diet, they wouldn't have made it out of the fucking barn. I'm kind of wondering, don't you think uh, Thule sounds like a boss or something from Final Fantasy? Yeah, a little bit. It does kind of sound like if you were reading old like Nordic or Greek religion, like mythology, it sounds kind of like either a location or a place. I suppose Nordic Danes are like from people of Norway, so maybe that's why it's called that. Uh, could be. Why it sounds Norwegian. Well, I think the but, Thule Society is something with uh, Nazis, right? I'm not exactly sure. I've never heard that. I think I think it is. I think it's like their weird occult horseshit or whatever. Huh. Nah, no, anyway. I've never heard of that one. Anyway, continue on. Yeah. So the bomber continued flying north after its pilots and crew had ejected until turning left and crashing into the ice. Obviously, northern Greenland, not as highly populated as 
uh, Eastern North Carolina. So the pilots got the fuck out of there. Mm. Better football team, though. What's that? Better football team, though. In Greenland, I'm sure they can. I'm sure they can collect. Uh, what is it, fifty some players to make a better team? They got a. They just put football helmets on sheep and line them up. And they're the offensive <laughs> linemen. They're ready to go. That would be actually pretty funny to see. Just a bunch <laughs> of sheep undercutting all the defensive guys. <laughs> so during the crash, all four of the 1.1 megaton H bombs had their conventional explosives uh, explode, and they. These are the explosives that are around the core, causing the two parts of the bomb to explode together. Okay, so you, so what you're saying is you need those two to go off to set off the main bomb? Yeah, so you need the conventional explosives to explode all around the bomb to cause fission to happen. Ah, okay, all right. So those went off. Yes, uh, those did go off, though because of the safeties of these hydrogen bombs, uh, the nuclear element of the bombs didn't explode. However, the explosion of the bombs and fuel created a dirty bomb situation and contaminated a large area of the frozen lake with nuclear materials. Oh, damn. Are you serious? So this this lake is like radiated? Well, the lake was frozen over at the time. Okay. Yeah. Can it not? Uh, I don't know. Can radiation seep through ice? Um, well, it didn't really seep through ice, but they were worried about the spring. So the blackened area on the ice was contaminated by fuel and radioactive material. This blackened area was 400 feet wide and about 2,200 feet long. And they would eventually figure out that they had to just use these large road graders and scrape off all of this contaminant off of the ice and this was like i mentioned before so that when the ice melted in the spring it didn't contaminate the shore of the lake and the water um in this vast area jesus okay so the people who had to scrape this up i can't imagine it's a very safe work environment to do that no i was i mean i was going to mention it at the very very end but i'll talk about it right now so a lot of these danish workers that they got to help them collect a lot of this like radioactive material ended up suing the government for basically all of the health problems that they had in helping clean up all this radioactive material. I mean, you can't really blame them. Yeah. I mean, it's horrible. Like all of the radiation poison they've, they got like started showing up as you can imagine like cancers, all of that, like that situation. So, well, yeah. And, And if you didn't get any help for it, you, you, like at the time, they probably didn't even know like the like the effects that radiation had. No, probably not. And I'm sure their sheep ended up having like 14 legs coming out of them and everything else. Yeah, probably weren't very good in bed anymore either. <laughs> I was going to say in Greenland, they have their own version of X-Men, except for they're all mutated sheep from radiation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so about 93% of the contaminated material was collected from the blackened site. Now that at the impact site, the burning fuel opened up an area of about 160 feet in the ice. And this sank a lot of the wreckage of the bomber and the bombs that re- the parts of the bombs that remained to the bottom of the sea. Oh, damn. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. So eventually America sent a submarine 
to help find the wreckage of the bombs. And this was especially the uranium-235 fizzle core of the bombs secondaries. Don't ask me what that means because I do not know. All I know is little little explosions make the big explosion and it goes boom. That's all I know. <laughs> I don't know what the secondary and the primary is and all that stuff. So. Well, when you said it melted into the ice, I figured they were going to send the, the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins uh, hockey team down there to get it. <laughs> yeah. They uh they just have some of those mutated seals that uh <laughs> what is, the bomb sniffing dolphins that's what I was oh, thinking. Oh yeah. Of. Yeah, okay. They, they got the some bomb of... sniffing dolphins down there to go find all the bomb materials. Is it weird that the government has fucked up Greenland more than they did Fidel Castro that entire time? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Fidel Castro was just like ice fishing in the middle of that lake, they probably still would have missed him. Oh yeah, I'm, they would have <laughs> took out Iceland accidentally, probably. Yeah. So these operations all took place, like I mentioned, during the Greenland winter, and along with that, temperatures of negative forty degrees, and it would sometimes get down to negative seventy degrees, with winds gusting up to eighty miles per hour at times. Like I said, also doing this in complete darkness because you're in the winter north of the, you know, where to the point where it's 24 hours darkness. Uh, that sounds fucking horrible. Yeah. This caused a lot of equipment failures and even batteries to rapidly discharge while these men were trying to do their work to clean up the contaminants and not to mention the toll that it takes on humans to be out there in that kind of weather. Yeah. Well, I would I would assume if the winds are blowing that hard, it would have blown radiation. God knows where, right? Yeah. Well, it was all on the Here's the thing about it. It was mostly just contained to that blackened area. So okay. it's not like though. It's not like a huge nuclear explosion that sent it up into the atmosphere. It was just a small explosion and just kind of rained it down in the area. Oh, kind of like okay. a, it was like a grenade going off, just shooting out particles to different areas. It wasn't like a full on explosion into the atmosphere. Okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. That makes sense. So, I mean, I, I guess thankfully it didn't fully go off and then that would be really bad. Oh yeah. It would be, I mean, there's not a shit ton of people living in that area, but I mean, it's terrible whenever like a nuclear accident happens like whenever any of these accidents happen, it's always horrible for like the Air Force, the U.S. government and all of these governments involved. So I didn't really mention this. I did look into it a tiny bit. So the Danish at the time had a deal that they signed during the 19 about the 1950s that they wouldn't allow nuclear devices to be over or on any of their like the land that they controlled. And because the United States was obviously flying missions over Greenland. They were breaking this deal, like knowingly breaking the deal. Yeah, that. Oh, so you're saying they signed that beforehand and they were just doing it anyway. Yeah, they were just doing it anyway. Because, I mean, obviously, America's an ally. And you're if America asks you to do this, you're going to do it. So Jesus, especially that... during the depths of the Cold War. I mean, I. When I'm sitting here listening to this, this is mind boggling to me, this entire thing, because I didn't even know uh, we were just, you know, uh, flying nuclear weapons around like it's a fucking East, like a Sunday day flight or something. But uh, the words nuclear bomb and accident should never be 
uh, in the same sentence, I feel like. Yeah, there was actually, I was reading through some of the reports and some of the books that were written now about like this era of like nuclear bombs and the Cold War. They were saying that the equipment and the safety procedures, the safeties that were used in this era of H-bomb, like hydrogen thermonuclear bomb, were not adequate for the mission that it needed. And there were like a shit ton. I think it was less than a thousand accidents had occurred like with all these nuclear devices that like no one's even heard about. Really? I don't have I don't have the exact number, but it's like a staggering number. Like between I think it was between seven and a thousand. Seven hundred and a thousand accidents. Involving nuclear bombs? Yeah. Jesus. During this time frame. Okay, now like are these pilots just shit faced doing this or what like what's <laughs> going on here? Well, they're not they're not uh, Delta or American Airline pilots, <laughs> so I don't think they're shit-faced. But what? Air Force pilots, they are known for going out and getting shit-faced, like having a lot of fun in the in the uh, like the bases that they they come to. But they're obviously not, you know, shit-faced flying. They wouldn't have they wouldn't get in the plane if they were shit-faced. So well, here here's what I'm wondering. Okay, you hungover is a different case, <laughs> but <laughs> I just I, here's my question. Okay, you've talked about. Two incidences that I'm pretty certain uh, hardly anybody knows about. Now, and that is involving America. How many incidences like this occurred with Russia? Like, can you imagine? Oh, yeah. Like, how many accidental nuclear things happened with Russia? Yeah, so there was, um, I, I obviously didn't study I was watching a bunch of YouTube videos, kind of like just getting in a mindset of all of this. I did see one segment of one of the YouTube videos where they're talking about a guy in Russia who was like, basically everyone called him a, you know, everyone treated him like an asshole, treated him like a pussy, even though he was a total hero. Um, there was some, basically they had gotten some readings that looked like missiles coming in from America that were uh, bomb, like ICBMs with nuclear payloads coming from America to Russia. He doubted whether they were actually ICBMs and he called off like the launch at the last second. Like they were about to fire missiles at America. Now he should be considered a hero, but everyone kind of like in his, you know, everyone around him considered him like a like a pussy or a failure because he didn't just fire nukes when he thought like the mother country was being destroyed. God damn. Man, that guy, uh, man, how how much would have the world changed if it wasn't for that guy? We would be living in the game Fallout currently, like not with all the radioactive fun and the, you know, we would be in the uh, the shitty part of it <laughs> with the townspeople who can barely eat, and, you know. Well, the one problem I'm seeing with living in that is uh, it's very hard to find bottle caps anymore. So I don't know how that would pay for anything. That's true. Bottle caps are quite hard to come by. <laughs> and robots. Somehow they have like the most intelligent robots ever uh, in that game. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. I I played that Fallout 4 game. It was pretty good. It just kind of got a little boring. I might have to do a re like restart it and go through it again. But I was playing uh, New Vegas not that long ago. Uh, very fun game. But man, when you play it now. Compared to what I remember it, man, the graphics are not good. Oh, no, yeah. Well, you convinced me to buy it, and I ended up buying it. And yeah, the 360 version, when you play it on your Xbox One, does not look very good. <laughs> yeah, 
No. Uh, you know what I've been playing? Uh, so, the Resident Evil 2 remake, I just finished that. Amazing. Uh, the Witcher 3 was on sale, so I've been playing <laughs> that. That's fantastic. I haven't got very far, but it's a uh, great RPG, actually. Yeah, I need to find some new games to play. Uh, especially, I've played the shit out of all my old games due to quarantine. So, yeah. And I've watched everything on Netflix, pretty much. I but, know. I, I, might I, be a I, good I, time I, to get out. Yeah, well, you're probably going to be uh, hitting the streets here probably not too long, right? Yeah, probably tonight or tomorrow, but there you go. that leaves another 72 hours of nothing to do. So <laughs> if I go out for three hours, so. Well, uh, if you're blind, your mind is as blown as mine was uh, hearing about these almost nuclear disasters. Uh, where can they tell us about it, Phil? So they can hit us up on subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. They can also talk to us on our Instagram account, Subliminal Deception Podcast. Cody and I also have a few IG accounts of our own. Mine's STPodPhil. Because of the current pandemic, I'm actually using it now, and I've been talking to people. Thank you for that. Cody, you have a couple? Uh, yeah, you can follow my personal Instagram account at uh, CodyZBub. Uh, yeah, just look me up. Follow me on there. I'm following Subliminal Deception if you have trouble finding me. Uh, yeah, message me. Let's talk. Uh, shoot ideas off of us, or just your feelings on the episode. We love we love uh, getting communication like that. Uh, the last thing we need you to do, if you could take a minute out of your time, log in iTunes, leave the show five star review, preferably written. Doesn't really matter what you say. Uh, or if you're a Spotify user, just simply hit the follow button. Apparently, that gets you exposure on uh, Spotify. Really helps the show grow. Uh, thank you for those who have already done that. Uh, Phil, I'm going to say, great episode. Very eye-opening. I think it was uh, something a lot of people will have no idea actually happened. And it's really crazy to think about the slight thing that could have happened. And the U.S. could have been a very different place. Or even Greenland. Um, but uh, otherwise, guys, we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. 